Thanks for joining us. This is WTOP News reporter Nick Ainelli, joined today by Susan Benton, a retired Florida sheriff who has a unique backstory that includes being the first female sheriff elected in a general election in the history of the state of Florida. So let's start off with your career in law enforcement. Walk us through it. Tell us a little bit about it. Well, my uh, jurisdiction was here in South Central Florida, which is two hours from anywhere you need to be in Florida. Um, Two hours from Orlando, Tampa, West Palm Beach, uh, Sarasota, Bradenton, et cetera. So we're in a great agricultural community uh, here in the middle of the state of Florida. And my background, though, I was born and raised in Miami and first entered law enforcement in Miami. Um, My husband was a state trooper. We moved up to Central Florida when he was transferred on the Florida Highway Patrol. And I began working at the Highlands County Sheriff's Office. And in 2004, uh, my sheriff at the time decided to retire. I had lost my husband. He passed away. My kids were grown and it was one of those bridge moments in life where you decide, okay, what am I going to do now? You know, all my major responsibilities have been met. Um, I truly had the experience, the education, the will, the drive, the passion for law enforcement. Thus, my decision to run for sheriff. Fortunately, um, I was elected. The cool thing about it um, was I didn't realize it at the time that I ran, but I was the first female in the state of Florida to become sheriff through a general election. So it was kind of a a first of many. Then I was the first female president of Florida Sheriff's Association. And so the first continued on. But I loved everything I'd done in law enforcement from road patrol to investigations to school resource to narcotics work. Um, You name it, pretty much I've been in all the units in addition to, you know, administration and the big budgets that law enforcement, unfortunately, have to manage. So what are you currently doing? You said you're retired. Are you still involved in law enforcement in some way? Uh, Well, yes, actually. um, I'm the victim assistance coordinator for the Diocese of Venice, and I do intake work uh, for the Catholic Church on any abuse and neglect. So I put my experience and expertise to work to help the church investigate and respond to any and all allegations of abuse, neglect, uh, or elder exploitation. And additionally, one of the reasons I'm here is um, the National Sheriff's Association um, recommended me to Verizon, and I'm on Verizon's Public Safety Advisory Council. Well, I think what's unique about um, Verizon, it isn't just law enforcement. Because uh, when law enforcement goes to the scene of something, typically you're involving many other arms of public safety. And um, that's thus Verizon is hitting all the elements. There's fire folks involved. There are emergency management um, folks. There's law enforcement. There's all the realms that interact with each other in critical critical incident management, um, whether it be natural or, you know, man-made, all of those elements are there to bring their expertise to the table to make sure that Verizon is responsive to, to the needs of those in the field. 
when a crisis occurs. And from my perspective, Verizon's doing a fantastic job in, in those responses. Can you explain a little bit to us uh, the reasons that got you interested in law enforcement in the first place when you first decided that you wanted to be involved and have that kind of career? Was it in your family or did you have something that uh, you saw that you really wanted to get involved in, in terms of law enforcement? Can you just explain why, why you chose that path? Sure. Well, I was young and in Miami, and I actually was working for St. Thomas University. And at the time, they hosted and managed um, all the advanced law enforcement training for the Dade County area. And uh, thus, they had advanced criminal investigation schools, uh, all kinds of narcotic investigation schools, and they managed the Organized Crime Training Bureau. So any organized crime classes that detectives have to take to be certified and working in that area. So that was my first exposure was that. And I think from there is when I'm like, man, I could do this. And I was young. I was 24 years old. And as you went along your career path in law enforcement and you started responding to the scenes of things, can you talk about the challenges that first responders face when they go to the scene? Is there anything that civilians just don't quite understand that you you take a step back, especially now that you're retired? You take a step back and you say, uh, people just don't get how hard this is or how hard this is. Well, it's hard to compare back then when I first hit the street. We had radios in the car, but we did not have handheld radios when we got out of the car as compared to today. Um not only today do they have handheld radios, they have video operating, audio operating. Um, it's, it's light years in difference when I first hit the streets. And it's actually even light years in district difference from when I became sheriff in 2004. Our agency did not have mobile computers. We're in a rural area. Uh, so cell service was difficult. And if it wasn't for Verizon, I would have never been able to take our organization into the new century and have all of that available to our deputies on the street and in the communication center. I do want to talk more about technology, but before we do, I, I wanted to ask you, you, did, you mentioned that you were the first woman to be elected sheriff in all of Florida. So how did that make you feel? I mean, that must be, well, first of all, was that a surprise? Because as you say that, that sounds surprising to me that, I mean, that that basically just happened, right? That was just a few years ago, right? <laughs> it seemed to take a long time. Can you describe what that felt like? And, and were you surprised that it took so long? Well, I'll explain a little bit. There have been former female sheriffs in Florida, but in the past, if a sheriff was married and died in office, Tradition had it that the governor or the local government appointed the wife to fulfill the term. Because in the old days, the sheriff and his family lived at the facility. And typically the wife helped in the jail, helped cook, helped do all kinds of things. So the females that were sheriffs in the past were a result of succeeding their husband. I was the first sheriff to run on my own and be elected in a general election. And honestly, it didn't hit me till later after I was elected, the tremendous responsibility of 
being a mentor and role model for young women um, growing up. And I think one of the reasons that put me over the hump, if you will, in the election itself was women. Women voted for, I wish my granddaughter would have had this opportunity, or man, I could have done that, or I'm so happy that now other young girls will have this opportunity. Do you think that that changed your overall view of the job? Because you were running to be sheriff, and I'm sure there were all kinds of qualities to that job that appealed to you with your history in law enforcement. But then when you started to think about, oh, I'm also the first woman to have been elected in this way, did it change your view of the job or did you get into it and it was basically what you expected? Or or how would you describe your feelings once you did get into the job? Well, there were some hurdles, of course. Um, but overall, I'm, I believe that um, the passion for what sheriffs do. And it's just, we just don't put bad guys in jail. We take care of people. You know, when you think about this, people don't call 911 just for the heck of it. They call 911 because they have a problem, whether it's an emergency problem or just a problem. You would be shocked at the calls that we get for an elderly woman who doesn't know how to stop her toilet from running. I mean, deputies have responded to those kinds of calls. So in essence, my philosophy has always been that we're not just the peacekeepers. We are delivering hope to people because people call us because they have a problem and they're hoping that we're going to solve it when we get there one way or another. And oftentimes it's just to refer them to a service provider then that can handle the situation that they're in or give them a phone that can call 911, an old cell phone. We used to gather old cell phones to give to domestic violence victims back in the day when people didn't have that many cell phones. But there there's so many ways that law enforcement responds that I'm a firm believer that we're the deliverers of hope. Now, sometimes that hope is in taking a bad guy to jail. Hope that A, he changes, hope that his family has some peace or hope that she gets off drugs or, you know, it's, I kind of approached it as that. And then also the responsibility aspect, as you said, as a role model, number one. Uh, Number two, I never let it get away from me that I was responsible for like $30 million of people's money in my county. And they chose me to make sure that they and their families were safe and felt good about getting up and going to school or going to the park and play. So I had to wisely use their money to help provide them a quality of life. You touched on it earlier, the technology part. Things are a lot different now than even 10 years ago, let's say, you know, just just throwing out a number 10 years ago. I'm sure that there are so many different ways that police or sheriff's deputies or whomever is in law enforcement uh, interacts with the public, interacts with each other. Is there anything else you can think of, um, generally speaking, now that might make the job of a law enforcement officer easier because of the technology they have? Is it, It's not just cell phones and things like that, right? It has to be other things. Initially, we had three different answering points, four different answering points for 911. So if somebody called 911 and got caught in, say, the city of Sebring's catchment area, 
but they also needed an ambulance or a fire truck. They got bumped from that one call center over to an emergency operations call center, over to the ambulance call center. So A, you were losing precious time. B, people were getting frustrated having to repeat constantly what their need was. So one of the things we did taking advantage of technology is we moved to a consolidated center. So it is one center with one answering point and emergency backup, of course, from our surrounding counties for 911. But everybody, all the city police departments, all fire departments, EMS, everybody is in one communication center, all under the same software supported by Verizon Air Cards for all of the laptop computers that are in the fire trucks and the ambulances and the patrol cars. So everybody now knows and sees what everybody else is doing, so to speak. Dispatchers can see on a screen because of the technology where every single unit is. We can see on the screen in the car where the units are. And a deputy can route himself to a call much quicker. There's mapping systems today where before we had to pull out a hard map if we didn't know where we were going. And especially in a rural area, it's easy to get turned around, you know? So we have, we have I think, um, and I think there's many models now across the country, but the one-stop shop situation for communications where everything is coming out of one place and everybody can talk to each other is absolutely critical. And unfortunately, 9-11 taught us that we have to be able to talk to each other when we're on scene. And of course, we can even patch in now like the FBI if they come to town or DEA if they come to town. We can talk to our directly to our counties around us where we never even had that capability before. What would you say in your experience that law enforcement agencies are doing to prepare for moments where they need to respond to emergencies? Because you're not always going to a serious situation. Um, it, sometimes you're just, you mentioned the, the budget, the spending, the thinking of how you're going to use resources. Can you describe how agencies prepare when they're not in those critical situations? The moments that they're preparing, you know, before they have to face those situations. Can you tell us what goes into that in your experience? Well, at least from a law enforcement perspective, there, there's a saying for us, training, 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 because A, for liability reasons, B, for preparedness. Um, for example, right now, hurricane preparedness. You pull out the old standard SOP that you keep up to date, the standard operating procedure, and you go through your checklist. Are the generators up and running? Are they fueled? Do we have backup phone system set up if ours goes down? Do we have uh, a bank of batteries for cell phones? Do we have, you know, you start going through your, your checklist and the thing, the secret to that now is we have that technology in advance. And because of Verizon, for example, we can like get them on notice. Hey, we have this major event that we know of coming up in March. We're going to need you to be on the ground with additional broadband space, for example, because we're going to triple in population in this little geography 
so everybody can't get on the phone at one time. And we'll need law enforcement to have priority. Those are the things that you're constantly thinking about. Now, when a mass shooting happens, boom, like that, you still have already trained for that. You still already have your resource bank list to where the dispatcher pulls it up. She automatically contacts Verizon. She automatically contacts FBI. She automatically contacts. So all of those resources are already available sitting on a computer right in front of their face to where they're just clicking buttons and making some phone calls. So it's light years light years in advance, even from, like you say, 10 years ago. Would you say that your view of technology and its role in law enforcement has changed since you started working with Verizon? Have you been noticing things and, and maybe have a greater appreciation for certain things since you started you know, becoming a partner with Verizon and, and thinking in that way more? Well, we immediately noticed the difference because like I said, mentioned earlier, we really had none. So when we put, we deployed Verizon Air Cards with a laptop computer, a mobile device, computer in every single patrol car in the county, and even somebody out in the middle of a cow pasture could communicate. Those com- computers, they could see all the calls that were running. They could see and hear as well but they could see the route to get to a call. They could see the history. If they got sent to 2255 Main Street, automatically the software would put up the last five calls to 2255 Main Street. So you kind of knew in advance what you were walking into. Is this the fourth domestic call at that house? Or are you going in there blind? You have no idea what's ever happened at that address before. So before that technology, you just wouldn't know? Like if you had a call to a house that had had like four or five calls before, you wouldn't know that? Except for the muscle memory of a deputy's brain. Wow, okay. That could be dangerous then. Very dangerous, exactly, yeah. The safety aspect that technology has brought to public safety is incredible, absolutely incredible. Okay, well, thank you so much for sharing your story and sharing your perspective. That is retired Florida Sheriff Susan Benton. Thank you so much for taking the time. Thanks again. Bye.